All right. Well, um, hello, everyone. This is uh, a first, the very first episode of the Sean Taylor podcast. Um, what's this podcast kind of going to be about? It's pretty much just about uh, whatever I'm interested in, which is lovely. Um, kind of planning on focusing on um, the local country music scene, things like that, um, history, all that kind of stuff. So uh, our first guest this this round here in episode number one seems fitting to have the president of the Manitoba Country Music Association in Miles Track. He comes in uh, fresh off the Manitoba Country Music Awards last weekend, so we share a little chat about that. We dig into his history going back as far as, oof, I mean, I think he's been playing front and band since, you know, maybe the 80s, so late 80s there, so 30 some odd years, um, and all the way back to his childhood in Saskatchewan. Um, Something I, I'm planning on doing is uh, kind of asking everyone for like a final statement after they sit here and chat with me for an hour and a half. So Miles sent this over here. Uh, the MCAMA isn't just one thing. It isn't just about coming upcoming new music. It isn't just about providing opportunity or networking. It's about building a strong country music community, honoring our past and the people who blazed the trail in country music in Manitoba, starting with Bob Nolan and the new stuff and everything in between. It's about bringing the country music community together, building bridges between the old and the new, and including everyone no matter where they are in their music journey. Young, old, new, seasoned, original music, cover bands, they all all provide value to our community. So that's Miles' final statement there, and uh, I think it's a great little interview, and I hope you enjoy everything you said. To be fair, to be fair that's basically what the podcast is. It's <laughs> just shooting this shit and trying not to get in trouble. <laughs> well, there we go. Yeah. Anyways, thanks for being here. I appreciate you taking the time. On Absolutely, my pleasure. Beautiful weekend like this. Um, when we do the podcast, I'll edit in a, an intro for you. Sure. Um, and a little music and stuff, and and then it's just a hang. But uh, I guess really, my goal with this being the first one, obviously, is just to get to know as many people and how we all ended up doing this together, because. In all my walks of life, I have a, the outdoor business and stuff, so I, I did outdoor podcasts and stuff like that before. And then I grew up doing pipe bands, like bagpipes and stuff, okay. like drums and pipe bands. Growing up in these different worlds, you you find out that every, there are people from all walks of life end up in them, and country music's even more so. Because like for the most part, in a pipe band world, you're dealing with Scottish and Irish people who grew up around parents who listened to bagpipes on records at full volume, right? So. When we get to country music, it's it's everybody. It's it's a giant smorgasbord. I wouldn't it's even say a, melting pot, but a smorgasbord. So yeah, yeah. I mean, people come from all over the place uh, into the country music scene or the country music community. You know, they um, you have the guys that are country country that really like the old country stuff. You have the new people who um, who like the more poppy or rock kind mm-hmm. of flavored country. And country really evolved from. Uh, all kinds of different music that that kind of melted together and created this new genre back in you know the days of um, Bob Nolan and and when that first started with the old cowboy country spaghetti westerns kind yeah, of thing yeah, right? right you know Bob was from Winnipeg right really the guy that no wrote tumbling tumbleweeds and and all of like a, a big part of those old country western 
uh, spaghetti western movies no uh, or the songs for those movies. Yeah. He was from Winnipeg. He was born Get here. Get out of here. Yeah. I yeah. had no idea. He was actually our very first inductee into the Manitoba Country Music Hall of Fame. No Posthumously, kidding. of course. Uh, I mean, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Passed, but yeah, if you look at if you look up Bob Nolan, there's some really great information about him on the internet. And and yeah, he was born in born in Winnipeg. That's crazy. Yeah, so he was one of the guys, one of the guys that started this whole country music thing, right? Yeah. In back in the days of the Sons of the Pioneers. Right. So he was one of the founding members of the Sons of the Pioneers. And, really. And and they are the longest running, continually performing country and western act uh, in the world they're still performing all different guys of course and yeah, they, you know, well, yeah we'd hope you so know, you would hope so right yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah they were they came and did a show here in Winnipeg and we uh, we presented that award to them uh, several years ago that's really neat yeah. yeah I had no idea but that's that's so Winnipeg country music out of anything like I, I mean you being the president of the MCMA and everything I, I feel like you start to feel um, the more you get involved with the MCMA, especially myself now being kind of relatively new to it. You start to feel like there must. Everybody says there must be something in the water here. There is. Like what is going on in a place like Winnipeg? I mean, you don't think cowboys, country music, you know, um, southern flair and stuff when you think of the bald ass prairie that is Winnipeg, Manitoba. But there are players in history, and I mean, we saw it. On Saturday, when you gave away the Hall of Fame award, we saw we this international influence that Manitobans have in country music, which has always been shocking to me. We have an incredible depth here, uh, surprisingly. Like, uh, like if we start with the Bob Nolan thing mm-hmm. and work right up to now, I mean, there's been just this... You know, I hate to go back to what you said about the something in the water, but I kind of do have a theory. I mean, because we have such cold winters and mm-hmm. people stay at home a lot more, um, they would shed in their basement and learn how to play an instrument. They learn how to sing and, and they keep honing that craft and getting better at it as time goes, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're blessed with having some of the most talented musicians that you could possibly imagine and singers yeah, of course, uh, yeah. right here in Manitoba. Yeah, I, I mean, I think... It's, it's hard for people who've never lived through a prairie winter, Saskatchewan, yeah. Manitoba, yeah. North, North Dakota. It's hard for them to really appreciate uh, how hard you have to work to find something to fight the seasonal depression. Because if you don't, it's going to be an awfully long winter. Yeah. So whether you're an outdoors person who goes out and ice fishes and all those things, some of us, I mean, there there's very little as enjoyable as making music with other people. And so I find, even if you go back, obviously back to Bob Nolan and all this, these generations, right? If you go back there, obviously they were just trying to find a way to get through it. And music's a great way to do it, right? So I find that um, even today, my creativity spikes when the snow hits the ground. Yeah. All summer I'm not writing. Yeah. And that's probably, I probably, you know, should be. But my writing seems to always kick in, honestly, right around the MCMAs, like that early November thing. I'm usually deer hunting and then Christmas is coming and you're not going to the lake you're not going swimming you're not going fishing you know you, all that stuff stops yeah so you you just all of a sudden have this i don't want to say extra time because all our lives are too busy but man i think winter is the biggest piece of the puzzle but there's a lot of um unheralded fame that came out of this province i guess i don't think i mean i know some of us have learned i mean obviously we had the pleasure of watching and meeting randy hebert now a few times you know just a legend in country music let mm-hmm. alone Manitoba country music right? right like obviously I just learned about Bob Nolan so that's huge you know and then we have 
all these players presently that are on tour all over the world playing country music. Um, I know Brett Kissel's main guitar player, Brendan Walls from Selkirk, right? Like, and he's yeah. a young guy. Brendan Dave, uh, Brendan David, Brendan Thorvalson was at um, at the MCMA's with us. He just got back off tour with Tim and the Glory Boys. You know, yeah. like there's all Carl Shuchuk. All these guys are just huge talent. <clears throat> and like last year, I know Stephen Rundle was in the band. This year, he wasn't. He was on tour with William Prince in Germany. Yeah, it's like what? <laughs> like, yeah. It's well, phenomenal. You know, the, those those three guys you mentioned at first. Um, they were part of the backing band for the CCMAs for right. several years. Exactly. And all three of those guys are, are like Selkirk boys mm-hmm. that started in a band called uh, Hurricane Jenny. That's right. You remember Hurricane yeah, Jenny? Yeah, because Brendan fronted it. I remember that. Yeah. All those yeah. boys have played in the Sean Taylor band. Oh, really? All of them. Okay. Yeah, we're very lucky. Yeah. Storm alert. That's interesting. They're um, um, incredibly talented. Yeah. They're just amazing musicians. You know, if I go back, though, for me personally, um, that whole winter getting together, trying to kill some time while it's cold and stuff outside. <coughs> Pardon me. No. Um, I grew up in Saskatchewan. Oh, okay. And uh, I came from a family that had a ton of musicians in it. And I remember as a little kid, we would, on a Saturday night, almost every Saturday night, we go to some uncle and auntie's place of someone and the instruments would come out and well, of course there'd be a you know bottle of something come well, on the table or two it's winter but <laughs> it's winter you got to keep the antifreeze flowing right <laughs> uh, but you know they would pull out the instruments and and they would play uh ukrainian music mm-hmm. fiddle music accordion mm-hmm. music uh until the wee hours in the morning and um and i grew up listening to that all the time like nice. it was what they did there were you know we had two channels on tv and half the time there was the same thing on both of them and it wasn't worth watching Some either game you didn't want to watch or something <laughs> yeah or or like like really bad canadian programming from, <laughs> yeah. from the 70s yeah, right okay. um but you know there's uncle james who played the banjo and fiddle and my grandpa who played fiddle and and uh you know, all these, uh, my cousin Stan, who played accordion, and his oh, wife wow. Luann, who played, they, they were both actually teachers, music teachers, and and they would get together almost every weekend, and, and, and that's how they spent their time, and they got to be really great musicians, because they did that all the time, right? Well, they're literally gigging. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. even though it's not out gigging, but you're playing every weekend, playing music with people, you're just going to get better, there's no way around that. No, half the time, uh, all the other kids would fall asleep you know, mm-hmm. under a chair or under the table or on the couch somewhere or something, and I'd be I'd be the only one sitting up and listening to it because I was just fascinated by their ability to right. to take that instrument and make it sound like it did and entertain people and give them a reason to get up and dance and smile, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and that's where it all started for me. It uh, that's cool. So where in Saskatchewan? A little town called Kenora. It's a half an hour north of Yorkton. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So actually, if I go a little bit farther, my my grandparents were where um, my dad grew up, and and where I spent a lot of time on the farm, sort of so to speak, uh, mm-hmm. was a little town called Macado. That's seven miles east of Kenora. But okay. um, yeah, it was a really rich community as far as music is concerned. The, uh, cousin Stan and his wife uh, Luann had moved there when I was eight. I guess, mm-hmm. and um, and they opened up a music studio and started teaching music lessons to to the neighborhood kids or the town kids, yeah, and yeah. and um, all of a sudden there was this big blossom of musicians that came out of that because they came to town and started teaching right, 
Um, and and so there's a lot of musicians that came out of that area. Actually, uh, Ryan Cowan and I were both taught by Cousin Stan Austin. No kidding. Ryan and I had the same music teacher. Really? Yeah. That's um, cool. Yeah. And, and uh, um, it, was, uh, it was a good time, you know, uh, uh, learning awesome. all the ins and outs of playing music. So what, what was like your first instrument? What was your first thing? Oh, my God. You're going to make me tell you that, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to know because I, I, I got a feeling with all this Ukrainian background and stuff, I'm like, there's got to okay, be something so here. <laughs> they moved to town. Stan and Luann moved to town and my dad and mom, I was eight years old. And they yeah, said, yeah. hey, Miles, uh, you know, Stan and Luann are opening up a music studio. Would you like to take music lessons? I went, yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, okay. well, what do you want to play? I said, guitar. Nope, you're taking accordion. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I took eight years of accordion nice. lessons. And it uh, it took me breaking both my wrists within a within the course of a year to get out of it. No offense to accordion, uh, it 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 gave me um, a, a good background in music. Well, I mean, as I mean, like as I, I was lucky enough to study music a bunch, U of M and all that stuff. And and the number one thing I've noticed is a lot of the great musicians of our time played accordion. It gives you I'm a basis. Not one of those. Well, it gives you it gives you an education right off the hop in bass, chords, and melody all at once. You learn chord really changes does. like nobody's business. Yeah, it really does. I know Ron Paley was a was an accordion player, yeah. and all those guys like they're all phenomenal accordion players because it's a great basis level, right? And that's probably an also also another reason why we have so many great musicians kicking around is the well, influence of that. You learn your theory, right? Yeah, you learn your music theory. Yeah. Um, from from it's like playing piano similar yeah. uh, you learn your music theory and then I guess I was about 16 when I um, borrowed my uncle's acoustic guitar because mm-hmm. he he didn't have room to bring it back to Winnipeg with him and left it at my grandparents place and oh nice called him up and said hey Uncle Ed do you think I could borrow your guitar for a little while to play around with it and he said yeah sure go ahead mm-hmm. and um, I would look back it just the guitar has been my favorite instrument yeah um, since that time that's yeah. awesome yeah I still play accordion a little bit. Nice. Yeah. Well, well there's a few songs when, when, you know, when I was playing regularly, there's a few songs that we uh, throw the accordion into that you probably cool. wouldn't expect. No. Uh, like we do uh, Black Magic Woman with the accordion and it. it sounds really haunting. <laughs> that would kind be of, cool. Kind of like gypsy kind yeah. of feeling. Oh, yeah, especially with those chord changes. Yeah. Right? Like that would be beautiful. And then the intro to uh, Copperhead Road I did with accordion. Nice. That was... Uh, yeah, that that goes over really well. That's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. So you so you're out in Saskatchewan, you, you're learning guitar at 16. Yep. How, how do you, do you just find a country band accidentally, or did you go into more of the rock side of things? Like, what, I, and where know, are we talking? We're talking the 80s or something. This would have been mid 80s. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, I had a couple of buddies who had a band, and I kind of helped out. I ran sound for mm-hmm. them. And, nice. And. Uh, uh, bump gear and stuff and mm-hmm. and then when I moved to Winnipeg I moved in moved here in 87 and um, uh, one of the guys that I pl- that, from back home that had that band had moved to Winnipeg too and, and uh, by then I had started playing quite a bit more guitar and singing a little bit and he asked me if I'd be interested in playing with him and that was my first real band nice right here in Winnipeg probably I'm guessing about 89 or 90, somewhere around there. All right, what was the band name? Oh, my God. Come on. <laughs> 80s, 80s band names are the best. Well, uh, okay. <laughs> Even it, early it, 90s. <laughs> when I first joined the band, it was called Meridian. And then, That's uh, actually pretty good. <laughs> and and then, uh, then we switched it very shortly after to the Wired Cowboys. 
Oh, I kind of like that too. Um, <laughs> That's not bad. It had nothing to do with wiring. It no, had no, to, it I had get it. to do with uh, <laughs> two of the guys in the band who um, partook in um, recreational activities. Let's uh, call yeah. it that. Something yeah. to keep you up all night. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was the early nineties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, amazing. Oh, cool. So played with them for a little while, and then uh, it was mostly just like doing the six nights bars type thing, or uh, we were doing like two, three night bar things okay. back yeah. then. Uh, and then, um, yeah, just kind of kept playing from that point on with just different bands. And, and, uh, Were you always fronting? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Once you get it, it's hard to get, let it go. Yeah. Well, nobody, <laughs> all, nobody else really wants to take that that duty of singing. Yeah, the, I the feel like right? we're all a special breed. Whenever I, we were out last night playing a gig, and my, my uncle and I were talking about the band, and he's never... He's never seen the Sean Taylor band, and last night, of course, I'm just doing solo. So, anyways, it was nice to have him out, um, and we're having a visit. And he, and he said, "He's like, so what's what's it like?" I said, "Well, we got six guys in a band. It's a complete democracy, which is tough when you're in a band. It is, you know. Yeah, and it, everyone's really committed to that effort, uh, and the product is because of that. Um, the oldest member in the band is in his 60s. The youngest is in his 20s, and there's everything in between. Those yeah. six guys." So I always tell everybody, there's only one ego in the band. That makes it a lot easier. And unfortunately, the ego's me. <laughs> like, and I just have to remind myself that all the time. Yeah. Um, but dealing with really good people who put the music first all the time kind of has trained me to just be like, you need to serve the music the band's making. This ain't about you. Because sometimes it feels it's hard when you're a front man. You know, the spotlight hits you and you're like, yeah, I am the shit. You aren't always the shit. No, no, <laughs> you don't no, need to be. <laughs> no, you don't need to be. It's tricky though, man. It's it's hard sometimes. So, I've been fortunate uh, in most of the bands I played in to to be that kind of. Um, everybody had that same mentality. That democratic kind of everybody has a voice and mm -hmm. and um, and it's worked really well. You know, that's huge. I I don't know. I'm constantly, you know, you hear all the horror stories of bands working together. Yeah. And I've, and I've heard it. Like when we first started the, the project doing, going more original and putting out the record and stuff, I heard it from a lot of very experienced people who I, I, I trusted with everything. They're really good people with a lot of knowledge. And all of them said, like, you can't do this. You can't do this with a band. It's not going to work. There's too many people. You need to, like, have a producer who tells you what to do. And that way you're the boss. And the band just shows up and does their job. And I just kept thinking, man, I don't think that's this band. These guys aren't that. And we've never really had a problem. I, you know, um, I came from a little earlier time in this whole thing mm -hmm. than, than you. Mm -hmm. And things have changed, right? Yeah. It, um, it's a lot more, uh, you have a single artist now. And they have um, musicians who come play with them. And they, they pick from a stable of really, really amazing mm -hmm. um talented musicians and whoever's available at the time is you know comes and plays with them mm -hmm. back though in the 90s at kind of the peak of the country music scene here in Winnipeg <clears throat> probably not just in Winnipeg you know worldwide the country probably, music yeah. scene was really strong at that time and mm -hmm. you could play six nights a week in the bars right but the bands were bands yeah there was the same members going out night after night playing night after night with one another and they got tight yeah i mean tight 
where you knew from one night to the other, no matter where they were playing, you were getting the same product at the end of the night because uh, they they were practiced, rehearsed, knew their gig, knew their music, knew, knew the drum, right? you know when that bass player is going to hit that note and when the drummer is going to hit that cymbal because you've done it over and over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And that's how bands got so darn good back in those days, right? Yeah. And you see it now, like, we go to the George and we see, like, the rest, um, uh, this is where I'm going to get tired and forget. What the hell? Hearts on Fire. Hearts on Fire. Yeah. We just yeah. saw a Hearts on Fire reunion, right? Those yeah. They haven't played together in ages. Yeah. They hit that stage and you're like, huh. Cool. <laughs> like, well, same it's thing 96. With, <laughs> same thing with Chris Bigford when yeah. he came in. He had the same guys from his original band, and they hadn't played together in a long time. And no rehearsal. They got up flying. on stage and just killed it. Well, they get they got there, and like Chris is hugging those guys because he hasn't seen them in years. Yeah. <laughs> and they, yeah. you guys, this isn't a rehearsed situation, is it? They're going up there, and they just slung it like it was meant to be, and it's always been that way. That's what happened back in those days, though, It makes right? a ton of sense, and that was so when the Sean Taylor band as we know it kind of came together we we had all these guys like I mentioned we because originally Joey Landreth was a guitar player okay. and then Joey was out on tour with Doc Walker and yeah. so or or whoever at that point and Joey was oh well um you know this young guy's really good you should give him my you know we'll sub him in and and so we get Brendan Wall or we get Brendan Thorvalds or whoever right and those guys like Chris Alger those they're all amazing musicians but because they're hired guns hired sidemen you know, like if Dallas Smith calls, they're not going to be like, uh, hey, Sean, um, Dallas called. I'm not going to go on tour with him. I'll play the Marion or whatever right. with you tomorrow. So it was a constant kind of changing kind of landscape of players, right? Mm -hmm. um, whether it was like Pop the Trunk or Post Pop the Trunk, whether it was the two bands anyways that morphed into Sean Taylor band. So eventually when we were lucky enough to like Jeff just out of the blue called Sean Borton was like, look, we need a guitar player. Would you be interested in filling in? And Sean said, yeah, okay, well, you know, I'll give it a shot. He was playing with Foster Martin. He was playing with Happy He was playing, I mean, you know, Sean used to play with, like, literally every country yeah. around, right? He played with us for a bit. He played with you guys. Yeah, yeah he, he played with everybody. did a couple of games, one, one or two gigs with us. <clears throat> yeah, and, like, and he was playing with everybody. So he showed up and played, and I guess he he must have dug into the, the vibe or whatever. And he's like, yeah, no, this is great. I'll, I'll be in this band, sure. And once Sean commits to something, like, that's it. Oh, yeah. That's, he's there. You don't have to worry. You know, like, there's I, no absolutely. take off on tour or whatever, which, you know, um, because he's not 20 years old. Right. You know, and those guys are, like, trying to make the hay while the sun shines. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So, and then Sean calls Greg because we need a bass player and says, hey, Greg, you know, this is a great band and they're super fun and they're tight and you're going to have a good time. And Greg shows up. And next thing I know, I'm playing with Sean Borden and Greg Dunstan. And that's how you get a Blaine. And, and next right. thing you know, we have this group and everyone goes, okay, this is it. No more subs. Yeah. I think Greg's the only one we sub out. Yeah. And only because we've got a really, we've got a really good backup for him who's a good kid. Um, and Greg doesn't want to play as much as everybody all the time. You know, okay. he's semi-retired, so you can't blame him. Fair enough. But we talk about tightening up <coughs> bands. Like, Pardon me. No, it's, um, tightening up bands was the goal. Because yeah. if you have those rotating players, you're never going to get tight. No. Nope. And I, f I feel for some of the newer artists that we see emerging because they have these records that are amazing. Yeah. You know, they're on the radio, they're, they're getting all these offers and blah, blah, blah. But then they show up and their band isn't that tight because they never know who's going to be there. Right. And they don't play enough live. Right. You know, like, there are literally record companies that are like, don't gig, you know? 
when I heard that, I went, sorry, so that's what? A, <laughs> so that's a function not just of the musicians. Uh, it's a function of the changed landscape in in being able to play out. Mm-hmm. Like back in the 90s, you could make a living at it. Agreed. Playing six nights a week. And you can move around. And you can move around. You mm-hmm. go from one bar to the other or from one city to the other. You know, you'd do a three weeks in Winnipeg, then you'd go out to Brandon and do a week out there, and then you go to Thunder Bay and do a week out there. And, and, and you know, you could move around, and there was enough venues back in those days when you could do that, right, yeah. and make a living at it. Um, you can't do that now. So no. the the really talented musicians have to find work where they can get it. Exactly. Um, so it's kind of uh, one thing has changed it into another because of that mm-hmm. whole situation, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I guess, because they're, you know, they're, I don't know if it's because of streaming or what, but like the record has become fairly important. Yeah. But nobody makes any money doing it. No. Everyone, you know, you, you want to put the single out. You want it to be big, and then even if you had three hundred and fifty thousand streams or whatever, you'd make peanuts. You wouldn't even earn back the first twenty minutes in the studio. See that whole, the the whole business model of that music industry has been turned on its head. Mm-hmm. You know, back when I first started in music, um, you wanted to get uh, some songs on a on a CD or tape before that mm-hmm. yeah right <laughs> eight yeah. track even before <laughs> that right uh, but you wanted to get a few songs out uh, and you sell those CDs and that's how you make your revenue right um, and and you go out on tour to support that right now there's no money in selling the music there's no money in selling the songs you get peanuts for streams and that's the way most people are consuming their music nowadays, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So the only way that you can actually uh, monetize this is by putting backsides in seats at, at live shows. Yeah. And and that's why we're, we've seen the ticket prices for concerts just go through the roof because that's where they have to make their money. Mm-hmm. Um, the entire business model has been turned upside down. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just kind of the way that the world has changed because of technology that we have available yeah. to us, right? As a guy who prefers live performance, yeah. Pardon me. Uh, versus, um, I mean, studio works fine, yeah. but I don't really know what's going on in there half the time. Anyways, I just shut up and sing. <laughs> um, I really love playing live. So for us, like we weren't. I think I was. I was talking to people last night about this. I said I'm. I'm 38 years old, and I think when I was 36, 37, I'd kind of resigned myself that okay, you're just going to be a cover guy. That's it. That's as far as it goes. You're going to play bars and periodically at a fair or something, I'll call. Um, and it'll be fun, and you're going to play with a great band. So rock on. That's it. And then uh, the MCMA executive had the brilliant idea to have a cover artist yeah. award. I've been lobbying for that for a while. Yeah, and I, I it didn't. I remember when Sean texted me. He said, you're not going to believe this, but there's going to be a cover artist thing at the MCMAs. I'm like, really? He said, yeah. And other community like other organizations are doing the same thing so it just made sense and i'm like that's awesome actually that's kind of cool because there's a lot of great tribute and cover bands and stuff like that around i said well that's kind of nice because you know especially with a lot of these venues that's who's really playing country music in the province it's not necessarily these original acts right if you really go to any bar to see a country band chances are they're doing mostly covers right even the original acts that are out there so I, I, I was like, well, that's kind of neat. And then we were lucky enough to be nominated, which was even more mind-boggling for us. 
But as soon as we rolled into the award show last year, not this year, I kind of went, oh, man, this is so cool. And we're meeting all these people. I got to meet, you know, Jason. And uh, I met the guys, from, uh, Dave from Doc Walker, and the guys that I've never even thought about ever bumping into. Yeah. And I thought, oh, man, this is kind of neat. And then I was talking with uh, Quentin Blair, and he said, you know, you really should put a record together. He said that there's so many more doors open for performance and, and bigger gigs and all this stuff if, if you've got some stuff, original stuff. And I said it to the guys, and the guys went, yeah, why don't we do that? <laughs> like, okay, and now here we are, right? Record's almost done. We're talking about a second, you know, stuff to, and that's all because that award was entered. Yeah. And I think it's, it's foresight, foresight like that that really goes along. I, uh, as I kind of mentioned, I, I lobbied for us to have that for a while. I come from a cover band kind of mm-hmm. uh, situation, right? Yeah. I, I played in cover bands for a long time. And and while I very much value um, the the talent and the ability of people who write their own music and oh, yeah. and record and release that, I think that's that's amazing, and and uh, you know kind of a personal goal for me in the long run to I just want to release one song someday, right? Yeah. Um, before my time's done, but but I having been in a cover band for years. Um, thought, well, these people work really hard, too. Mm-hmm. They really do. Yeah. They go out every weekend, and they're schlepping gear, mm-hmm. and they're giving people a reason to dance. And they're promoting country music. And promoting country music. Mm-hmm. And and they deserve some recognition, too. Not just not just the cover bands, but the tribute acts, too. Like, yes. That's uh, like the Inclines, who won this year, um, they, they put out an amazing show, right? Yeah. And they provide entertainment value just like the people who write their own music mm-hmm. and release it. So why shouldn't they be recognized for that? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where that whole thing came from. Um, but that being said, it's not just you that had this situation happen nope. where you came in as a cover band nomination and have decided that the next step is something you really want to pursue. It happened with you. It happened with uh, it happened with Katie St. Germain. Yeah, our brand new emerging artist of the year. I mean, yeah. And she said the same thing to me. We were talking backstage. She said, yeah, we weren't, we weren't really sure we were going to do this, but then we got nominated last year. It was so exciting. And I'm like, that's the exact same thing. And I'm sure we're going to see Mike Sacharco come up with that. Yeah, right uh, Mike apparently is working that's on That's phenomenal. Because, yeah. I mean, what a talent those guys are. Yeah. Like, I can't wait. You just need more music out of Brandon. It doesn't matter who does it. But yeah, <laughs> that's right? awesome. That's very exciting. <laughs> Pardon me. I feel like uh, that was a huge, a huge move. I mean, all, all in general, just for the province, I think that's a pretty exciting thing. And, and there's just like huge energy in these shows now like i mean i only got to go to last year's mcma awards and now this year's mcma awards and it feels like even just the growth just over a year yeah it feels big you yeah know, events like that i mean people what a great party <laughs> well you know we came into this some of us guys have been around for quite a while mm-hmm. in the mcma um with the idea of helping to build a community mm-hmm. it wasn't just about putting on a show it wasn't just about having a artist showcase or having a songwriters event it was about building a community because we know that there's so many people that are really talented here in manitoba but there was nothing pulling them together yeah that's there, a great way of putting it there was nothing kind of making it cohesive right mm-hmm. and <clears throat> by providing that that organization and the 
opportunities and the awards to strive for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's built that community, and we see so much happening with other artists who work with one another now and yep. who co-write and who do releases of, of songs together. And, yeah. Well, and, you know, and nights like last night that Chris put on at the Tap House there. Yeah. Guys that you never would have thought would be on the same bill together. Yeah. JR, Chris, you know, like these people showing up and making music together that maybe never would have even known each other. Exactly. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. So building that community is important. And, and, and now that we've done that and... I mean, the work will never stop, right? Yeah, but we've got this started, and, and it's kind of taken on a life of its own mm-hmm. where all the people in the community are becoming friends and they're working together and and, and mission accomplished, right? That's a huge piece of the puzzle. Like even last night I'm playing Pine Ridge Hollow because Jaron Friesen called me and asked me to do it. Right. I, I met Jaron at the songwriters event. Yeah. I saw him at last year's MCMAs and went, wow, that guy's something. Yeah. Like what is so different compared to everything that everybody else was doing. And Great so writer. good. Oh, I yeah. could listen to him all the time. And, yeah. and so we got the chance to write together at that writing event. Um, me, him, and Byron, which was which was pretty exciting. There was a bunch of us. Like I think we were all in the same room. With, uh, anyways, I, it's a while ago. But like you get smashed together with all these other artists. And you, you meet each other. And now there's a basis for a relationship long term, yeah. right? So then, you know, hey, do you, I, I can't quite crack this tune. Do you want to get together and hash it out or whatever? That stuff happens because of the MCMA's involvement early on in that process. That's why these organizations are so important. Yeah. It's not really, I mean, don't get me wrong, I know there's a promotional side to it, promoting Manitoba artists across right. the country, that's always important. Yeah. But in a fledgling small province like Manitoba with a monster amount of talent in it, yeah. part of it is just helping the pieces find each other. Exactly, you making know. connections, help make those connections so that People can fly on their own, right? Yeah. And and or giving them a place and an opportunity to network and to build those connections. It's important. It really yeah. is for the longevity of the organization and longevity of the community here. Yeah. We saw what happened um, <clears throat> late '90s, early 2000s when things kind of slowed down, mm-hmm. and and everybody was kind of out for themselves back in those days, mm-hmm. um, and and. You know, having this community building on itself now is—it's uh, really remarkable to see. Yeah, and I mean, we get we get support from like the MCMAs. You don't expect like Don Amaro to be on stage. That's huge. Well, yes, we do. Because he's a good friend of he's a good friend of the MCMA he's and really, really believes in what we're doing. Yeah. yeah, but that's what I mean. I I think like. I had a lot of friends and family obviously come to the awards and stuff. Yeah. Great night in Transcona, have some fun. Yeah. And then Don Amaro goes and he's like, holy crap, that's Don Amaro. Yeah. Like, yeah, he lives down the street from me. And, yeah. you know, his kids go to school in the same neighborhoods as ours. And, like, and we didn't realize that until I saw him there. Yeah. And I'm chatting with him, like, hey, you're, 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 and yeah, yeah, yeah. But I see you riding your bike every day, <laughs> you know. And his, uh, commitment to the Manitoba country music scene is, is should be commended. Yeah. Because he, he doesn't have to. Yeah. You know, he's a guy who can just show up at the CCMAs. He's on the new Brett Kissel single. Right. Like, he doesn't need to just show up and play at a Manitoba country music thing, and he does. He's a he's a strong supporter of what we do. Um, wow. I mean, if, if any of us come up through this program, how could you not be? Yeah. You know, and I, I know it's not a stated program, but... I've only we've only been as a band kind of in the membership for two years now, but it, it feels like 
most of our headways been because of all these little moments where the MCMA seems to touch on it, right? Little events that you guys put together and stuff where like, oh, we meet somebody or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Networking, networking 101, Mm -hmm. right? Like getting to meet people who have like-minded things that they work on and 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 building those relationships it's i if i can say one thing about my time uh, it, it, and and i don't know how much longer i'm going to be around with this but i i've been doing this stuff for 15 years with mcma when we first started um or i first started mm-hmm. uh, but if if i can give one kind of takeaway it's it's the biggest part of this is building relationships sure yeah. it really is that makes you know sense. Because you not only it not only helps kind of move things along, but it helps you to um, become friends with people, and and you want to work with people that are friends of yours, right? Yeah, and that that kind of that stuck out. So last night I'm playing Pine Ridge Hollow, Jaron's there because he put me on the gig. Yeah, and then I'm talking to you, and he said, "Oh, I saw Jaron last night at the Tap House," and so we've got Chris and everybody playing the Tap House downtown in Osborne, and. <laughs> Quinn's there and Jaron's there and I'm sure you know there was a bunch of a bunch of folks made it down right I wish I should have pulled my head out of my butt and been down there but (laughs) I mean it's it's one of those things like if the community supports each other yeah then these venues are gonna be like oh man well we if we do a country music show with two country bands or whatever from this community we're probably gonna have a great show because we're gonna have a good turnout yeah turnout means money that's huge it does. Butts yeah. and seats is all that really matters. Yeah. Selling think, beers, right? Yeah. Selling beers, putting people in the room. That's really the goal, right, for a, for a room. As much as sometimes like we have great rooms like the Royal George who support an event, whether there's two people or 200. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, and sometimes they take as big a swing as, as we all do, you know. But really, it's a business, and they want to make money, which yeah. means they've got to have a good turnout. And if, and if we all continue to support each other through events and get to know each other better and maybe make music together and all these things it's just going to keep growing as long as you know none of us gets too big for our britches i suppose is half the battle when you're dealing with music groups. it can happen of course well i mean i i've i feel there's a renaissance in music happening in country music i think so too i think i think there's a a new vibe of like supporting each other uh and seeing us all rise together right I feel back when, and this is kind of weird because realistically, financially, the music industry hasn't changed. The artist gets bupkis, everybody else makes money. So it's just who makes money changed. It's right. no longer the record companies, right. it's the streaming services. So 20 years ago, artists were all jealous and fighting and whatever over record contracts because mm-hmm. there's only so many to go around. Right. Now, everybody can put out music anytime yeah. they want. Yeah. And we're all going to make no money at it. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, to some degree, I guess is what I mean. But like, we can all support each other's music and promote each other's music because really we're not competing with each other anymore. The more Manitoba country artists that get listened to, the more you'll get more people listening to other Manitoba country artists. That's yeah. how it works. Yeah. It's no different than comedy now. Yeah, The comedians are in the same boat. You, you hear about it all the time. They promoting each other, doing podcasts, doing all this stuff. Yeah. I think we're in the same boat in music. Yeah. It's just a big change, and that kind of messes with people's heads a little bit, but I think everyone's settling into it, and it feels good. You see all these artists helping each other. Why wouldn't you? And using the MCMA as, like, the backdrop for that, right? So yeah, yeah. And, and you know, what? It, 
it, it makes me really proud that we've been able to provide that canvas, right? Yeah. For people to kind of um, uh, paint their own picture on. No, that's huge. You want another cup of coffee? Yeah. Right on. Okay. I'm going to pause this for a sec. Um, just because we're getting into barbecue talking. <laughs> but like, I have like a, an Oklahoma Joe. Yeah. And I like to throw my oak in there and get it going. But then you got to sit there for three and a half hours or five hours or whatever you're doing, right? And so now, especially at the cabin, I'm like, you know, if I had a Traeger, I could take my cell phone and I could go down and float on my ass in the water while my ribs cook. <laughs> Tell me something, Sean. Is it about the journey or is it about the results at the end of well, it that you're looking for? And because that is part of the problem. Sitting with a stick burner, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I have a, a charcoal barbecue that I, that I do, um, uh, that, I, that I use at home as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and I put wood chunks on there so that I get that flavor. Yeah, right. um, That's how I do my I don't have an offset. Summer. I don't have an offset smoker, but... At the end of the day, I can put some really great results out of my Traeger. Yeah, no kidding. And I can be out doing something else and watching it on my phone to yeah. make sure that it's it's doing what it's supposed to do, right? I think that's the thing. Because when you say, is it about the journey or the result, you're absolutely right. Because I've always been a journey guy. Yeah. So I'm always like, okay, uh, yeah, there's an easier way to make Alfredo, but I'm going to do it the hard way. <laughs> you know, like. Well, when I sit down at the table and I have a bite of a rib like I did last night, and most of that time I was out running errands. That's awesome. I, I just, I seasoned the ribs. I put my smoker on it, or my Traeger on it, mm-hmm. 180, and I let them roll for about three hours at that. Then I took them off and wrapped them in foil with some beer and butter oh, and yeah. brown sugar and let them roll for another hour and a half or so. And then sauced them up, let that tack, and it was easy peasy. And yeah. <coughs> that's what I need And the do. results, the results just speak for themselves. I yeah, mean, and that's the thing. I, I got to stop screwing around and, like, I don't have enough time anymore yeah. to sit yeah. and barbecue. I, I did for years when the kids were little, like when Joey was little. I had my offset and I would just sit in the backyard and roll smoke all day. And it was a beautiful thing. But I think where I'm at in my life, oh, that's my barbecue that. pit there. Miles is showing me his home barbecue pit. That is stunning. Look yeah. at you. You got your smoker, you got your propane, your oh. Yeah, I've got a uh, That's the way to do it. Yeah, <laughs> a Napoleon kettle and oh, and, I love uh, those. and a black a black stone just a little uh, 24 inch black stone. Yeah, see and that's one of the things that's kind of holding me up on the Traeger is like I feel like I'm gonna use the Blackstone more because you're cooking for groups and stuff, especially at the cabin, right? You're yeah. making pancakes, you're doing this, yeah. you're doing that, and it's burgers and those 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 Blackstones are pretty cool. Little pro tip: take a keep an eye out on on um, uh, Princess Auto's uh, sale. Oh yeah, flyer. Right, that's where I got my Blackstone from. Oh, okay, and it was drastically cheaper than getting it anywhere else. Oh, there you go. So. I'll just watch that and I'll throw the rest of the money in a trick. <laughs> yeah, it's just too convenient, especially at the cabin, because I'm always wanting to do something else than rather than sit there. So, Well, that flat top is uh, awesome for, like, smash burgers and grilled veggies and and uh, fried rice. And oh, nice. Yeah, I didn't even think of fried rice. Well, I, it, we do a lot of wild game, obviously, because yeah. I try to feed these kids as much with my bow as I can. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot of ground 
venison and stuff going yeah. around. So smash burgers are a hit. They're always a, a big yeah. hit. And I'm always like, man, I could do so much more if I had a Blackstone instead of this frying pan. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know, it makes so. a difference. That's cool. Well, I mean, and now I'm all excited about barbecue. Okay. Not a barbecue show. Not a barbecue kind show. Kind of a barbecue show. <laughs> well, hey, you know what, though? What goes to, what goes to the dead, 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 got my nose fixed, now my mouth doesn't work. <laughs> uh, what goes better together than country music and barbecue, though? Right? Yeah, I know, right? I feel like, well, I got a couple of buddies that have some barbecue restaurants. We might have to figure some sort of MCMA show in one of them or something. That would be, uh, that'd be brilliant, actually. And some really good barbecuers, so. But then, uh, before we took our little coffee break here and... I'm, I'm having rum chata in mine this time. I've never had nice. rum chata in coffee. Is it good? Yeah. Yeah? I'm kind of shocked. Constantly, like, someday, Sean Taylor Band's going to be sponsored. It's probably going to be Jack Daniels, if anybody, but, <laughs> man, this stuff's pretty good. Um, uh, well, hey, uh, be, before we before we kind of check out of this uh, festive drink kind of thing <laughs> yeah. that we're talking about, I mentioned to you earlier before we started, this was an instructor of mine at Red River College who told okay. me about this, but the uh, the frothed up, I, I, you got to try it, the frothed up hot chocolate with just a little bit of, of uh, Southern Comfort in it. Right. That is a game changer around the holiday season. Uh, you got to try it. That's you awesome. have to try it. We should have like a, a section of just recipes from guests. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> not a bad idea. is like, uh, make hot chocolate, make yeah. it foamy. And your, your description yeah. was brilliant when you said, like, the, the hot chocolate machine when you go skating. Yeah, it's, That's it's a, skating as soon hot as you said that, like, I could feel the burn on my tongue. Frothy, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. The burn on your tongue and the smell of fried onions in the background. Yeah, and, like, and burnt chocolate for some reason, but yeah. it always was delicious. Yeah, yeah. And that crappy little styrofoam cup. But then you throw, basically, Southern Comfort in that to taste. Yeah. Oh, my God, I can't and wait it, to try it, that. It's, it, it will make your holiday season merry and bright, I and guarantee. A, and a little fuzzy. Yeah. Yeah, a little fuzzy. <laughs> a little fuzzy. Consume with... In, in a good way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. That's awesome. Okay, well, just before we took our little break, we were talking about um, a little bit about the MCMA and stuff. But, like, I'm, I'm interested in how you came to... We know you're the president now, but obviously, what was your first foray into the organization? So, long story. Um, <clears throat> and and uh, I hope you understand I'm not looking for any kind of... Uh, sympathy out of this okay yeah no i mean listen the only i mean anybody who knows you but, knows that <laughs> but the but the real the real uh the real story is uh, back about 15 years ago uh my late wife was was battling cancer <clears throat> and uh and i i'm a guy that i have to do something yeah if i see a problem i have to do something i'm a i'm a, a get it done person and I couldn't do anything about that. Yeah, I understand that right? idea. Yeah, um, I helped her every way I could, but I couldn't fix it. You I couldn't make yeah. it better. However, um, having my connection to the country music kind of since my childhood, mm-hmm. um, I, I happened to notice that there was a Country for Cancer concert that was happening. Um, and it was being put on by this organization called the Manitoba Country Music Association. And I thought, well, there's something I can do to make sure. a difference. Of course. You know, I can, I can help uh, out with this event. I can volunteer to help out with this event and, and put some money in the pockets of the, um, of the people who are researching and trying to find a way to, nice. to you know, solve cancer um, or, or to fight it anyway. Um, and so I called up the guy that was organizing it at the time, the president of the MCMA at the time was a gentleman named Dennis Simcock. And I said, look, can I help out somehow? 
He said, yeah, sure. So I, I jumped in and I helped with some sponsorships. I brought in uh, a few sponsors and helped out at the event that year and it all went really well. And Dennis asked me after that if I'd be interested in sitting on the board of directors and just being a director and helping out. Absolutely, you know what? I, mm-hmm. If I can continue to help do things like this, then it makes me feel better and it does something for the community. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> so that was about 15 years ago. And, um, and, and it just kind of, I just never left. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, because, you know, we did a few Country for Cancer concerts and then... Uh, about 2014, I guess, um, we tried to figure out a different direction, like what is really needed in the community, more so than a Country for Cancer concert. Not that that's not important. It yeah. really is. Yeah, of course. Um, but there are other organizations that are raising money for cancer research. As a country music organization, what would be our best way of spending our time and helping to continue to build this community sure. that we've started, right? And... Um, Naturally, the first idea was to put on a country music uh, awards. Mm-hmm. And so we started planning that in 2014 and, and put the first one on in 2015. Um, but we were always doing other stuff in the background as well. You know, there was the Country Songwriters Association that got kind of absorbed by the MCMA, mm-hmm. um, where we were putting on uh, songwriters events, like the Nashville Round type of thing. Mm-hmm. We were doing that every couple of months. And, and that developed a whole bunch of artists who started out just coming out of their mom's basement for lack of a better way Mm -hmm. of putting it um, to play a song or two in front of a crowd because there was opportunity there there was a place to come and do that now right Right. and um, and they did that and and it developed this started developing this community that uh, the songwriting community, which was really wonderful, right? <clears throat> um, you know, so that was in those times we had young people like I, I heard Leanne Leanne Pearson come up and do her first song in front of a group there. Oh, yeah. um, she would have been a baby back then. It, she was really <laughs> young back then, and and developed into just this amazing artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Jason Petrick was involved with that at the oh, time, okay, and yeah. he, you know, he he was a really great young songwriter mm-hmm. back then. Um, but even the guys from Hurricane Jenny were part of that as well. You know, Brenton and and uh, and Carl Shochuk mm-hmm. and Brennan Wall and I mean, that's uh, <clears throat> uh, it was part of what we were doing as, uh, at the same time, right? Nice. And, and so we started we started seeing that whole community developing and. Oh, yeah, this is exactly where we should be. Yeah, this just keep exactly stoking the fire, right? Yeah, let's keep building this. And and I hate to use this terminology, um, but uh, my my father in law had a saying: you can't make sausage without meat, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, it's it's kind of basic, and it's kind of yeah, uh, we're right. not I'm not I'm not well, you you're well, a hunter and you can. make you make <laughs> sausage, but um, but if we're not feeding raw material into the machine you're not going to end up with uh yeah. with a product at the end right mm-hmm. so we have to continue to and it's been a big passion of mine to continue to bring young people into the organization and and give them give them opportunity to meet people and network and mm-hmm. learn how do i do this um back in the day when i was uh you know kind of in the spending my most time uh musically personally there wasn't anything like that Um, So you didn't know who to talk to. You didn't know how to get involved. You didn't know what's the person I should be talking to about doing this or how do I go about doing that. Mm -hmm. Here we have all of this community now where you can pick up the phone and talk to somebody that knows what they're doing, that's been there, that's done that. Yeah, it is really incredible. I know when we, like our first single, Rolling Stone, we, uh, 
we had it all canned, ready to rock, and they were like, maybe we should put it to radio. How do we do that? I have no idea. Yeah. And so I get in touch with Lyle Foster. Yeah. I'd met Lyle once, I think, at the Spike. He came to see the band play once. Yeah. Really nice of him to come and see the band play. He's a nice guy. Really yeah. Great, really super fun hang. Um, and yeah, 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 you got to hit up Lauren Tutty and all this, blah, blah, blah. That's who we use. Or I mean, you could use anybody, but this is how it works. And he, the, the willingness of that generation to pass information down is you can't put a value on it. No, you can't. And I think by having a central organization that kind of builds the community, it gives guys like myself, who I, I guess I'm not a young artist, but a newer artist, um, you don't feel so weird just like reaching out. Like, hey, man, like, uh, you know, what do I do now? <laughs> like, Well, and that's it. I mean, we, we've all become friends through this, right? Mm-hmm. So you can pick up the phone and call a guy like, and you know that... Lyle is gonna, mm-hmm. he's gonna give you the right information. He's gonna, because yeah. your success is success for him too, yeah. because our whole community is better because of it. Yeah, and that that's what I was, to, before we took our break, that's what I was kind of, that, that's the, the central theme I think right now that I, I hear from yourself as the representative, but then also just from the MCMA in general, is that we're all going to rise as the water rises. Absolutely. You know, which is so such a juxtaposition from the older country music scene, not necessarily Manitoba, but just in general, mm-hmm. um, where it was kind of a, a feed or, feast or famine situation, you know? Yeah, yes and no. Um, <clears throat> like, I, 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 don't want, I don't want you to think that um, it was wolves feeding on each other back in the 90s. No. It, because a lot of those guys from back then... They're all friends. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, you saw that when Chris Bigford came in yeah. uh, to to Winnipeg to play at, at the Royal George or when Hearts on Fire was there. Um, I un- Unfortunately, I wasn't able to be there for their show. But um, that all of these people, the, the room was packed with oh, other yeah. musicians other from music. that era because they're all friends. That's the beauty of a Sunday, though, right? Yeah. Because yeah. none of us are working. Nobody's working. Nobody's <laughs> There's gigging, only one right? band working, and they're yeah. there, right? So. Yeah. But, I, you know, all of these people were friends back in those days. And if mm-hmm. they could, if they weren't gigging one weekend, they were out listening to their friends playing at yeah. another bar or another another event or whatever it was. Um, so maybe in the recording side of things. I th- yeah, I think that's what I mean. Obviously, there was way more gigs. There so you were more lots of gigs. You yeah. know, guys, like, someone's playing somewhere every night, you know, and that's that's a huge benefit to that. Because I, I graduated in 03, so I would have started playing bars right then. So it was a, kind of the, the very end of, you could still go to Brandon and play Houston's five yeah. nights. Yeah. There's a band house, like, you know. So I did experience a little did bit. Did you stay in that thing. band house? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good place to hang yeah, out. Yeah, me I too. was a little sad when they sold that puppy. Um, hotels just don't feel the same. <laughs> yeah. But you get like... Clean sheets. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> Trust me, sometimes it would have been nice. But those band houses, man, there's there's history there. Like, yeah, there is. And I was a, like, I mean, I was a baby. I was like 18 years old. And I was going out there with um, Thirsty Cactus, which, yeah. which was the band at the time that like my our drummer, now Jeff, was the drummer with. Um, I can't remember who was playing bass. Probably Carl... I feel like Carl Kovac was on bass during that run. Mike Sherlett was on guitar, and Perry David was singing in the band, and yeah. Connie, and of course, and uh, and we got so Carl and I, who are like eighteen and nineteen, get dragged out to Brandon for five days to play Houston's fun, uh, and like we must have looked like deer in the headlights, I'm sure, 
but like what a good time and to be out there with veterans yeah guys who've done it for years like yeah. perry i mean he's been been doing this forever yeah and so to learn what it what goes into being able to perform five nights in a row mm-hmm. and not suck you know, there's not a lot of artists who know how to do that yeah it's it's it, you know for for the players it's one thing for the singer it's off. Yeah, when and when you're singing five nights in a row, exactly, and four sets, four forty fives or four fifties, and watching Connie and, and Perry do their things, and like the only difference was they'd done it for so long that it wasn't like they had okay, now I need my tea and my humidifier, and like it was like where's my beer? Yeah, I'm fine. Here's my voice. Yeah, because they'd done it so long that, that it just was there. The voice is just developed. Yeah, and it's strong, and, and it's not and going it's anywhere, to, and it's able to. To just do that because of of it's like any muscle, right? Yeah, you you work at it and you develop it, and and it it uh, it becomes something you can rely on. Yeah, and then decades later, we see you know Hearts on Fire show up at the George, and Perry opens his mouth, and you're like, "Holy crap, that still there? Wow, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. he doesn't miss." Or him. Shannon, same yeah, thing, Shannon, right? it's like what? Yeah, like but that's. It's a different, obviously, it's a different generation. They had that exposure to all those those gigs and stuff. But that was man, like that's where we should be golden, aspiring to. Golden, golden time in, in for performance for performers in the sure. country music industry for sure. That's so cool. Yeah, I'm always jealous of that era just because I didn't get to experience it. But I was, uh, yeah, I, I was there for a good piece of it, mm-hmm. and and I'm telling you, the talent that this province had back in those days. Uh, I mean, even it, it, there's some amazing talent now too. There, don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah, it's really just amazing. I think we were probably exposed to it more. Yeah, just because the talent so from back then was just amazing. But because they got so so honed in and tight, and because they were playing all the time, mm-hmm. you know, guys like the Younger Brothers. I mean, yeah. um, country music royalty in our yeah. province, right? Um, some of the best musicians I've ever heard play. I mean, like really, Sean, you performed lots, mm-hmm. right? I, I have to. Yeah, a bunch of hours. <laughs> Where have you ever seen a band? <clears throat> and I mentioned this actually uh, the night that we we inducted the guys into the Country Music Hall of Fame. But mm-hmm. where have you ever seen a band that in the middle of a song they switch instruments? I know, right? Right. <laughs> you know, Keith would get out from behind the drums, yeah. and and the guys would keep it going, and then he'd switch. And pick up the bass. Yeah. Jim would give give him the bass and and go and grab the fiddle from from Clint. Clint, yeah. Clint would take the uh, give him the fiddle. Go and grab the lead guitar from Tommy. Tommy would leave the lead guitar and go sit behind the drum kit in the middle of a song, and the and the song continues while they're doing that. That's right? Bananas, it's yeah. not like they stopped the song yeah, in the yeah, middle yeah. and 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 did that. It it's like right through the song. How do you do that? That's incredible. Yeah, the talent and the showmanship, mm-hmm. and it just—it was entertaining to watch all the bands from that era. You yeah. know, whether it was, um, you know, them or Hearts on Fire or uh, Les Gillis and Mountain Fire back in the mm-hmm. day. And I mean, there's just so many of these bands back then. They're just unreal performers and 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 showmen. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't just about going and listening to music. Yeah. It was about the show, right? Yeah. A big piece. Um, that's always something that I uh, I try to preach whenever I talk to younger artists. Which I mean, again, I'm new, but not not young. Right. 
I mean, 20 years of slinging a guitar, I got a little bit of knowledge. And when I talk to people, I always say the same thing. It's like, you just need to get on stage. Yeah. You know, you have to put yourself in the weirdest positions you can. Um, last night, I played the Pine Ridge Hollow solo, which I haven't played solo in ages because I have such a great band. Yeah. And it was more like, yes, it's a lovely gig, but it's really about just making sure I'm on my toes. Yeah. Because... Get out of your comfort zone. You don't know what can happen when you're on stage. You've got to be ready. Yeah. Um, and the more you play, the better you get. I, last night, we swung into the George on the way home and was chatting with Greg, and he said, he's like, bands need to play. He said, an hour on stage is worth 10 in your garage. 100%. And that's the best way I've ever... I, the, absolutely. That's If it's not better than 20 hours in your garage, because you, you, when that gun's to your head, you're better. Yeah. And you have to be. So You have to be. With, with young artists, it's, it's so important, especially for myself, my generation of players, the last generation of players, the previous guys like the Foster Martin Band and stuff, um, and the MCMAs to just continue trying to find a way to foster more opportunities for people to perform, right? We all have to do our part to make sure that there's performance opportunities, whether it's to 50 people or 5,000, it doesn't matter. We <coughs> have to all, because that's where the artists will get good. That's where they need they need to perform. Not yeah. just for exposure, that's, that's dumb. It doesn't need just to be for exposure. Part of, um, I, I think part of some of the misunderstanding that I've seen uh, regarding the MCMA, getting back to the MCMA, mm -hmm, um, <clears throat> is, is like we try to provide as much opportunity as we can for people and for networking. And when there's opportunity to, um, uh, to do shows or showcases or songwriters events, <clears throat> pardon me, mm -hmm. we're, we're all about doing that, right? Yeah. Um, we do it on an absolute shoestring budget though. Of course. You know, we don't have big funding. We, we mm -hmm. just don't. We get whatever we get from our artists um, or, or industry membership fees, and that's mm -hmm. really, really reasonable. It's 25 bucks For a sure. year, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and some sponsorships that we get for the awards, which have been very, very helpful. No kidding. Uh, but we get almost nothing for any kind of government funding. Uh, we, we've been working at trying to change that. That's a giant hill. Um, but um, it's been a challenge for us because we are a genre-specific music association. Mm -hmm. um, it The funding is not necessarily always available to us, and, and we don't qualify for certain right. funding, right? So, so when so you guys do... Um so, like, for instance, the Friday before the awards, you did a, a, a panel discussion. Yeah. Um, in conjunction with, was it Manitoba? Manitoba Music and Indigenous Music. And Indigenous Manitoba, Manitoba were, were big parts of so that. So, yeah. great. When you team up with organizations like that, yeah. you maybe have a little more funding. Like, Manitoba Music's probably a little better funded. They are much better funded yeah, than so we are, yeah. Using their resources, your connections Correct. to create better opportunities. Yeah. And that's brilliant. That's the first time I, I mean, obviously, again, I'm this is all new to me, right? But that's one of the first times I've seen that kind of like multi-organizational. Yeah, we've structure. done that in the past Brilliant. with them. We've yeah. done that in the Super past with cool. them for sure, and had panels, and mm -hmm. uh, usually around the uh, the day or two before the Country Music Awards to make the weekend more of a uh, more of an event than just yeah. the awards. Which Which not awesome. that the awards isn't enough, but well, you know, having. Um, but when you've got everybody in town and everybody's yeah. here, why not? Make it yeah, and right. Manitoba Music has been great in in partnering with us to do that kind nice. of thing. That's awesome. Yeah, that's. I mean, like I say, you got to. You know, the resources are tough as it is anyway. They are. So yeah, for everybody, right? Yeah, so. yeah. It's taken a long time for us to be able to get a seat at the table with with you know the government and mm -hmm. and um, and and they've been great. Uh, but it's taken some time for them to take us seriously. That you know we are a real. 
um, organization that's doing good work here in the province and and if they want us to continue to do that it'd be great if we could you know get a little bit of funding to be able to work together allow us to do that and 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 they're really listening and helping as much as they can now so nice yeah still don't have much funding but yeah, it's baby steps, right? Baby steps. You just build, like I said, it's about building relationships, right? Yeah. So, you know, as much as we're building relationships with artists and with all the other people in the community, um, uh, the, the board and the executive are building relationships with sponsors and building relationships with the government agencies to try and, um, you know, continue to build these things. Mm-hmm. And the community is going to grow if we keep doing that, right? right? Of course. It's only going to keep building right yeah. now. Hopefully it has to. Now, talking about building, okay, our, our first awards show, going back again to you know some of the history our first award show was at the park theater um in 2015 okay and the park it was before they did the renovation there obviously yeah right right right. um so they had the separate kind of lobby area in the front and then the performance venue in the back um and uh we wanted to start off kind of in a manageable way Sure, yeah, you get better to start small. What's going to happen here? We don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to put on a Country Music Awards, but is it going to really resonate with the community, or mm-hmm. are they going to go, nah, I don't want to be involved with that? Um, and so two weeks probably before the awards show, we're sold out for the park. Wow. And it was a really great evening. It, it, it nice. For the first kick at the cat, it turned out really, really well. The following year, in 2016, um, we had... Um, we needed a bigger place, right? Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that right around that same time, my wife and I were getting married, and nice. we had our wedding at the at the mat. Oh, nice! And I got to know some people over there, and 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 I went, you know, the mat would be a really great place for an award show. It really would. Mm-hmm. I'll talk to the people over there and see what happens. And they were all over it. They wanted to be part sure. of it. Nice. Um, and and big kudos to Janet Harder, who mm-hmm. who you know was our awards chair this year of and course, last yeah. year. Um, and she's been on the board of directors since then. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, because she uh, she really bought into the whole country music um, no kidding, awards yeah. in the community, and and she's just a great uh, a great friend to have in the you know on our board of directors and okay. helping us out with this stuff. But um, so she and the people of Canadians um, made it possible for us to move to a bigger venue at at the Met, and that was fantastic for I think it was six or seven years mm-hmm. we had it there. Um, but last year we sold out the Met, right? And and, and your where do you go from there, yeah. right? Yeah. It, it was a beautiful, beautiful venue. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just that it, you've been to the Met. It's oh, yeah. one it was of a the gorgeous night. One of the most beautiful buildings uh, mm-hmm. for that type of thing in in the province. Yeah. Um, and it was hard to leave there. Oh yeah. But um, we needed space. Yeah. So we approached um, uh, we approached Club Region Event Center and Casino and. And um, and it really worked out for us. Yeah, I mean, we all know with the recent renovations of Club Region and everything over the past number of years, it, I don't know if there's a venue that rivals them as far as technology and um, top of the line everything. That place I is stunning. Got to be one of the best in the in the province, yeah. if not the number it's one. It's a beautiful sounding room. The the sound system is amazing. The lighting system is amazing. The mm-hmm. stage is just beautiful. Yeah. The the seating ability for them to modify and change the seating yeah. um, or, or configuration of the of the seating area is just uh, remarkable. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it was the next logical step for us. Yeah, of course, it worked out really well. It was a, our best show, biggest show ever. Yeah, and it, I mean, no no doubt 
Mountain Grove. I couldn't believe how many people just came to the show. Honestly, I was surprised. <clears throat> like, I, it's not like people were calling me to be like, are you going to play, blah, blah. It was just like, I showed up and there were people there that I knew. And I'm like, what are you doing in here? Oh, I just, you know, love country music. It sounded like a really good time. And it was. And they were all thrilled. They were all, they all had a good time. I haven't got the exact numbers in um, just yet, but I think we're, we're somewhere in the area of just just shy of 650 people that attended the awards this year. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. And the nice thing about Club Regis is room to grow. There is room to grow. You know, you've got room for another well, 650 roughly or whatever. Yeah, I think it holds 1,200 it. people yeah, or somewhere like that, around right? there. Yeah. That's huge. That's going to be fun because it's such a great venue. It was It was great. Yeah. It was great. Loved yeah. every second of it. Um, just as we wrap up, is there any presidential MCMA business you want to do? Not that I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, we've been talking for... Gosh, Don't two hours here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, on the record, off the record. Yeah. But do you guys know, do you have an <clears> idea of, like, I know the AGM comes up in the new year, right? Yeah, the AGM will be uh, early in the new year. We have our next board meeting on Tuesday this coming week, and nice. uh, we'll set the date and time and place for that AGM. Usually we have it in January or early yep. February. Um, gives us time to kind of get through the holidays and get our heads back in cobwebs. And... Uh, and we'll have our AGM kind of set the plan for the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully we can you know, continue to do some good work in the province and providing opportunities and, uh, and uh, like I said, in a canvas for, for music people to do their thing, right? That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you for being the very first guest. <laughs> Sean, it has been an absolute pleasure. And, uh, and I got to tell you, uh, you know, you say you're... You say you're um, you're new, but you're not young. But um, uh, you become a, a good friend of the Country Music Association for one, and 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 I like to think a good friend of mine too. I'm really yeah, proud man. to. Well, that's why I asked you yeah, to be here first. <laughs> I'm uh, <clears throat> really proud to have you as a friend. Forgive my forgive my clearing my throat here. I don't know. I've got a little bit of a frog. Well, we're like weekend. two and a half or whatever coffees in, and it's not morning, but it feels like morning. What it does do, feel right? like morning. Um, <laughs> It's been an absolute pleasure to come here and just sit with you for a while and, and uh, talk about music stuff. Thanks, man. Well, yeah. we'll do it again when we when we get some new uh, some new news out of the uh, the MCMAs and stuff. Anytime. And see what's Anytime. going on. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thanks, everyone. If you listened. Thanks, mom. I know my mom will listen. <laughs>